So, has everyone been uh, enjoying their fast? Yeah. All right. <laughs> if you have been doing it, fine. If not, there's you know, no need for a show of hands. Uh, there's no condemnation. But if you have been, and I think, I think pretty much everyone has. So, uh, God bless you for that. It's a wonderful thing, and, uh, and uh, you're reaping the benefits, I know. If, uh, there's, there's not a doubt. Anytime people come out of a fast, I, they never say, oh, man, I'm sure, you know, I sure wish I hadn't done that. You know, they always have stories of intimacy with God and hearing God more clearly and just, just a, uh, more of a confidence in the Lord, uh, knowing that he's in control and the Spirit of God is in control of their lives and uh, not their flesh, you know. And uh, that's important for us to... To, uh, to get that flesh uh, into submission to, to our spirit. That's who we are, the spirit. And uh, it's our soulish realm that really the body just does what the soul tells it to do. You know, but if you've died with Christ, then, you know, if you really have reckoned yourselves dead, then no matter what anyone does to you, you can't be offended. You can't make you stop loving them. You see what I'm saying? And also, your body can't tell you what to do. And uh, it's very liberating. So, anyway, it's been wonderful for me. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you this, and I don't want anyone to, but I'm going to, I'm not stopping today, or tonight. Um, I, I said it would go until this evening. You're welcome to stop. You, you can continue on if you want, but I'm going to continue um, in the fast and uh, and uh, and we will uh, visit again about it next week. If you want to join in with me, please do, uh, and just continue to pray for uh, for the church and uh, for your pastor as as as, and, and as, much, as well as all the other things that you have been praying and believing God for. Uh, and if you if you decide to just step back from it for now, that's fine. You did what I asked you to do uh, as a body uh, for that week, and that was to because we're uh, as as a as a as a young church, we're still new at these things, and I know some of you maybe haven't ever done it. And so, thank you for for being obedient and doing that. And I know that it, uh, God will bless you for it. Um, so. Praise God! I was at a I was at a meeting last night with uh, um, a party. I was invited to to with uh, all of the newly elected officials and school board and school board folks and uh, sheriff candidate, state representative, and all a bunch of precinct chairmen and stuff like that. And it was. Uh, Good. I met some folks from a, a, a crisis center that I probably will be having someone come here. They have an office in uh, Cyprus, even. They're local and they're, they're right on the out by 99 is their main office, but it's still in, in uh, Harris County, but it's right about close to Waller, you know. But uh, it's, it seemed like a good group of folks, and I'd love to hear more from them. And uh, I took Ed Pearson with me, who's one of our, one of my area leaders for Army for the, 
and he's uh, he went on that trip that I didn't go on with Andrew and uh, and uh, went up there to the Bible Museum a few weeks ago where where they recognized Andrew and the speaker of the house was one of the 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 speakers and he got to meet him and a lot of the other congressmen and it's all about the children you know and his uh, and, and, and getting God and, and keeping God in, in politics and in, in school and in our culture. And it's, it's the, uh, it's, uh, oh, I can't think of the letters, but it's the, the, the organizations that's the Christian Lawyers um, um, uh, group, you know. And uh, it's a big organization. And that, that uh, I think it's Mike Johnson is the new speaker. He's a... He's a he is a he's a wonderful Christian, yeah, yeah, and he's a fighter. He's a fighter. So anyway, uh, anyway, we made some good connections last night and uh, praying for all of those and uh, the uh, the constable for precinct four, which is here. Uh, uh, he he was there and some other guys. But anyway, uh, never know what God is up to. Um, well, you can know, but I mean, in this in this particular situation, we'll see. Got to get yourself out there sometimes a little bit. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, that it is cold here and going to get colder. But Lord, that's all right. We're prepared. Thank you for the giving us a shelter and giving us roofs over our head and clothing to wear and food to eat and heat and water and, and all the wonderful things. Let, let nothing transpire through this winter storm that will harm anyone or do any damage to property or, or, or life and, uh, and for this congregation or for anyone in our area. We speak a blessing and protection over our entire area and region in Jesus' name. Thank you for using me today, Lord, to, sh to sow the seed of your word into the hearts of your children, Lord. Wherever they may be, those here in our midst and those who will hear the message in other places, in other times, by other means. So thank you, Lord, for using me today. And thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. In Jesus' name, amen. I have been praying for uh, lots of... For all of you, for, but for lots of things, lots of people, and uh, man, I can really feel the breakthroughs coming. The Lord's been showing me a lot of things, and uh, uh, <laughs> I, always tell, I always tell you guys, and I don't mean to freak you out, but I know a lot more about you all than you think I do, and it's not, uh, it's not bad. It's just that God, God loves you, and, uh, and he helps me to pray for you, and uh, and uh, trust me, there are a lot of blessings coming your way. Amen. A lot of things have been broken. And uh, the manifestation is coming. Amen. Amen. Yes, for sure. Yeah. All right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, Jesus... Uh, I just want to talk about our belief system today a little bit. Is that all right? Yeah. Our belief in Jesus Christ and what that means, you know. It means something. It should mean something, you know. 
because there are a lot of benefits that come with it. People think of all the responsibilities. Well, yeah, you know, there are responsibilities, but the responsibility, you know, like I use the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters tell you all the benefits, everything that's been accomplished and provided for you because of Jesus. And then the last three chapters tell you about the responsibilities that go with those privileges. But you use the power and the provision already made by Jesus. And, and it's because of the wonderful things he has done that compels us out of a loving heart to reciprocate. You see what I'm saying? It's not, it's not the cart before the horse. We're not trying to earn anything. But Jesus always put truth Truth. Truth is not subjective, by the way. They, they're trying to make it so on college campuses and places like that, you know, where, where, where it's just you, you put a value on it. You decide what's good and uh, when. You know, and it could be one thing one day and another thing the next day. And I used the example last week of do you lock your doors at night? If the answer is yes, well, then you don't want truth to be subjective either because that person could decide, hey, it's a good thing to break in and steal, kill, and destroy right now. And if truth is subjective and goodness is subjective, then you have no recourse against it. But, of course, it's not. We have the truth of God's word for God himself to write a book to us, to reveal himself and to, and then send the manifestation of this book. Wow. How blessed are we? But Jesus put truth before relationship with people. His relationship with God, just, just like ours with the Father, should be preeminent in our lives. Then all the other relationships between us and our fellow man will be better. Amen? Amen. They'll be healthy or there'll be boundaries or they won't be at all. Then... I won't say that. <laughs> but Jesus said his words were life-giving spirit, you know? And apart from them, or apart from the truth of God, not the world's version of the truth, again, it's a shame I have to say that, but there is no life. There is no light. There is only darkness apart from the truth of God's word. Not knowing God intimately, the real Jesus, as it were, someone said one time, is the root of all religion and fear and superstitions in the world. In the 
book of Acts, the picture, the type of, or the beginning of the church as we know it today, the church age that began when Jesus ascended. This age of grace and truth will continue on, this church age, until Jesus returns. In other words, this dispensation of time, the way that God deals with man from the time of Jesus' ascension to heaven to the time he comes back will not change. And the book of Acts, chapter 17, verses 22 through 23, Paul was in Athens. And Athens in the Bible and the New Testament is always referring to, think of the, think of the, think of the issues in the, in the, uh, in the big universities now, you know, the scholarly type. That's who, that's who the Greeks were. They, and so he was there at the very heart of this nation in, in, in Athens. And he, it says in verse 22, it says, So Paul, standing in the midst of, midst of the Areopagus, Pagus, I, I probably said it wrong, said, men of Athens, this is a place where they go to, to talk and exchange ideas and philosophy and, and all that. Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. And they probably thought that was a compliment. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> but he was, he was working an angle that he found here, that the, the, a wisdom that God had shown him. And you'll see that. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, plural, you see, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. So in other words, Paul's going to say, you know, all this other stuff they're worshiping, these are all idols, right? Mm -hmm. But this unknown God, I, I'm going to take ownership of this, and I'm going I'm to give him an identity to them today, and I'm going I'm I'm to tell them about the true and living God. And so that's what he did. And that's the one that we need to help people to know. Because the world's in the same condition. They have many gods, whether they acknowledge it or not. And then there might also be an unknown God, or there might also be a, a Jesus that they're fond of, but they don't know. You know, and when, you can make up a Jesus of your imagination, and it's still not God any more than Allah is. You know what I'm saying? You could, you, could call, you could call what you worship Jesus, but if it's not the Jesus of the Bible, then it's not real. Amen. And it won't save you. You see what I'm saying? Religion will turn you into a, a passive guilty beggar. Is that too subtle? 
You'll never be certain that God loves you. You'll never be certain that God wants to bless you and that God has given you his name and authority to bring forth his promises in your life. The bondage of religion will enslave you and leave you trusting in fate, F-A-T-E, instead of mountain-moving faith. Amen, preacher. <laughs> the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. Verse 46 through 52. This is where Jesus heals a man they refer to as blind Bartimaeus. I'm going to read it to you. And they came to Jericho. This is Jesus and his disciples. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a crowd, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. See, there's the devil. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. It's a good thing when you can stop Jesus in his tracks. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi... Let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Blind Bartimaeus. This fellow was in a, he was in a religious culture and under the law of that religion and it 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 that time in which he lived and that religion which he grew up in and that place in which he was. It taught him from birth that God had put that blindness on him as a penalty for sin. So you have to kind of put yourself in that place and in his shoes to see. It labeled him a sinner from birth and a beggar for life. And it awarded him or rewarded him with a cloak, a garment 
that was identified him as, as, this, as a license to beg for a living forever. And it, it put him down to, you know, like the level of a dog, you know. This is your lot in life. And God did it. So just accept it. Thing was, he'd been hearing about Jesus. Jesus is the word of God made flesh. And where does faith come from? Uh, by hearing and he had heard and he had made up his mind if I get a chance I'm going for it and let me tell you Jesus said your faith so I want you to understand that, that there was great faith involved here because he, I mean you see that how he had been beaten down from child from birth and he was this was who he was and he deserved it and God did it to him so it took great faith for him to get up and basically throw away his livelihood. That cloak meant something. And when he threw it down and took off toward Jesus, he wasn't going back, folks. He went from beggar to believer that day. And that was the faith required to, for him to be healed. Amen. That has not changed. That has not changed. Jesus went to his own hometown. He was amazed at their unbelief. He couldn't do much there. He only healed a few sick people. He wanted to do a lot more. You say, well, he's God. He's omnipotent. He can do everything. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. Yes, but he set all that aside, became exactly like us. The only thing he had to his advantage was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he had the Holy Ghost working in and for him. He was anointed, of course, but so are you. That's why when a preacher, you see a preacher, he's preaching, he's looking, he's scanning. You know, you know, he's looking for that person. You can see faith on someone. That person who's ready to receive, you know. It's visible. I, you know, and then he began, and it says he, then he followed Jesus on his way. He, so he, he just became, I, I would not be surprised. And now this isn't in the Bible, so don't go fact checking me. I don't care. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to get to heaven and find out that Bartimaeus was one of the 120 in the upper room that day when, on the, when the Holy Ghost came. I'll find him and ask him. Huh? Yeah. There'll be all kind of cool stuff like that in heaven. We can go find out, go talk to people. Isn't that cool? 
You see, religion isn't relationship. Religion doesn't save anybody. Religion isn't necessarily bad. You know, James talks about religion that is true is, you know, it helps widows and orphans and, you know, things like that. That's all good stuff. It won't save anybody. But a saved person will, by their new nature, do those things. You see? So the good deeds of religion will come naturally to, to a saved person because we are love now. Our Father is love and we're born in His image and now we're going we're gonna to do good things. He, he, he created us for, for good works that He created for us to do before the beginning of time. But those works are not what gains acceptance from Him. It's our faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. And then we're supposed to live a life of faith from then on. Depending on the Lord Jesus, not the flesh. Coming out of this fast, it's even more evident. More, it makes more sense. You're like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a spirit with a soul and a body. And that body don't run me, I run it. And the Holy Spirit tells me what to do. And I can hear God. I didn't know it. Because I was always too full. <laughs> Just kidding. That was me, maybe. <laughs> Religion isn't relationship. Re religion and atheism or anything else you want to put your confidence in depends on that fate instead of faith. Whatever will be, will be. Que sera, sera, it's not up to me. I can't help what happens. I can't know what God's will is or what he's going to do. He might put sickness or disease on me to, to, to teach me a lesson. He might take everything I have and, 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 and kill my spouse or children, and, but it's all part of his plan. You can, you can ask him one day, you know, I'll ask, I'll, find, I'll know one day when I, when I see him, and, but he loves me. Listen, that sounds like the, 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 the book of Job. You know, that was, first of all, that was not any, that, the book of Job has nothing for Christians today. The devil can't do any of that stuff today. Not to a, a Christian. If you're going to learn anything from the book of Job, let it be about Job's example of, of patience. And even then, God's goodness, in the end, and it was only about nine months that he went through this tribulation, according to most scholars. I mean, it was terrible and devastating, but, God, but, but in the end, he got twice as much back. But that's not for today. But they're still, still teaching it from the pulpit. 
and wondering why there's no power and no victory amongst believers in many settings. And now we love them all. We're not against anyone, but my goodness, why, why don't people look in their Bible and, and just say, listen, wait a minute. You know, I was having a conversation. I had a lot of conversations last night. One of the candidates for a, a high office was talking to me. and I can't share too much. It'll reveal their identity. But we were talking about death and a loss suffered. And, and I said, listen, now if you've ever, I know you don't know me well, but if you ever believe anything I say, believe this, God did not do that. And listen to their answer. Oh, I know. So I'm like, oh, good. You know, I'm thinking, oh, that's good. Oh, I know. But one day it's all part of his plan. I'll understand. <laughs> I said, well, no, God didn't do it. I said, you have an enemy, the devil. And he's the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God loves you, and he would never do that. He's a good father. He would never. He goes, yeah, that, that's right. And one day, one day, we'll, we'll know it's all his plan. He said it again. <laughs> just oblivious. And I just loved him and went on. I mean, it was a very sensitive subject anyway, and but hopefully that was a seed, you know, planted. And my friend Ed that was riding with me, it was way after the time that I'm normally out. It was 9 o'clock at night. We were driving home. I still had, when he came to get me, I was like, I was, in the, I was with the Lord, you know. And I'm like, God, I hate, I hate leaving out of the presence of the Lord to go do stuff, you know. <laughs> but I got to get out of the salt shaker, you know. So anyway, he was like, "Well, why don't why don't people just read their Bibles and just under you know just how can they believe all that junk, you know?" I said, "There's a lot of reasons, you know. A lot of it is spiritual laziness, you know. It's better just to." <coughs> Blame God. It's all up to God, you know, and His will. You know, we just don't know. That's easy. It's easy for the preacher. It's easy for the believer. Just show up, and then whatever happens, just blame God. <laughs> There's no part for you to play. It's it's hard. It's harder. Way more benefits, way more power and victory walking in our true identity and exercising our authority. But it's, it's a much, much harder. I mean, there's a part to play. And others, it's just ignorance and, and others just, you know, willful disobedience or just they've built their lives around a lie and it'd be too hard to change it. You know, this is what Mama and them believed, and you know we built this 
we helped build this church. We, we donated, you know, all the pews. One of them's got our name on it, you know. How could we ever leave, you know? Well, because the Bible, uh, there's about a hundred conflicts with what's being preached from that pulpit with what's in the New Testament right off the bat. <laughs> and I tell people, they, I talk to people from all denominations, all, you know, unsaved, different, and I tell them, if you're really seeking God, you're going to find him. I don't care where you are, what you're sitting in there in or under. He, he, if you're seeking God, he will be found by you. That's a promise. Yes. Now, you might ignore that because, because when he shows up, he's going to show up with the truth. And, he, and he's going to show you because he loves you. And, you, you it's your, and the Lord told me a long time ago, don't you dare decide for people you know, in other words, don't change your message to accommodate the audience. Give them, they have the right to accept or reject my truth. My answer, yes, sir. But God's not the one to put sickness on people. He's not the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy and teach you a lesson and, and hurt your children and take your jobs and all that sort of stuff. You know what that is? You know what that gospel is? That's the gospel of the devil. That's the gospel of the devil. He loves it. Not God, though. James, John 10.10, 10, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly or to the full. So we're after that abundant life that Jesus has provided for us. Amen? Amen. James 1.17, that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning or changing. In other words, he's not going to change. He's always going to be good. He's always been good and nothing but good. And Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Acts 10, 38 said he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So nothing bad, only good. So why do they keep saying that God is responsible for these terrible things? You write it right in your insurance policies. Acts of God. Terrible things. God didn't do that. <laughs> oh yeah God chopped that tree down and made it fall and crash on my house and <laughs> kill us in the, in the bed act of God not the devil's a deceiver you know that <laughs> been talking about that a great man of God said the chief danger that confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, <laughs> talking about the real Jesus, you already see it, big denominational church splits because of that, forgiveness without repentance. I don't care what people say. 
Salvation without regeneration. Can't, and you're going to come, can't climb in the sheep pen by any other way except through the door. What did he tell Nicodemus in John 3, 3? Lest a man be born again and not see the kingdom of God. Politics without God. Heaven without hell. These are some of the deceptions that are being propagated throughout the nation. You know, there are lots of laws that govern our lives. Laws put in place by God, I talk about all the time. All with promises of provision and or warnings of danger. Natural laws and spiritual laws, right? I give examples. Gravity is a well-known one. You don't step off of a mountain and expect not to fall. If you do fall, you don't blame God because of gravity. He put gravity here to keep us on this rock that we live on. <laughs> so it's a good thing, but we have to learn to respect it. Huh? There's, there's all sorts of those natural laws. And, and I'm, not a, I'm not a physics person, you know, but I, you know, I like the law of, uh, you know, was it Isaac Newton, the law of, of, uh, of motion, you know, inertia. Uh, you know, a body in motion will stay in motion unless something stops it. <laughs> yeah. You got to learn, we got to learn about these things. And then, and then they started adding laws to all those laws about motion and force and all that stuff. And I think like the 11th one <laughs> is, uh, is uh, for everything, for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. Isn't that the law of motion number 11? I think, <laughs> I think it is. Anyway, but just, just like a, a dam holds you know, a giant dam is holding all this water back. You know, that water, that's, that's what they call, they call that water potential energy. Potential energy. It's all dammed up. And then it's, when, it, when it's released, there's power to turn those turbines, and, and, and then it becomes uh, a kinetic energy. And that's what makes the electricity, right? All these are wonderful things. But, you know, if you're like, downstream of that dam in the riverbed and it breaks that inertia <laughs> will wipe you out and everything around for miles right <laughs> so here's the point to remember that we don't really break God's laws they break us <laughs> you know, you're not going to, you can't just do whatever you want, can you? You have to learn to cooperate with them. They're, God hasn't put anything out there to hurt us on purpose. He put it to help us. But not respecting and learning to cooperate and appreciate them, you're not going to reap the benefits, but you can be harmed. Just that spiritual laws 
were first mentioned by Jesus. I talked about it last week some. The first of three times that he mentioned specific law that we'll refer to as one of the keys to the kingdom. I love to talk about that big keychain that we have to a successful life and meaningful, meaningful relationships um, with the Lord. But in Matthew 23, I talked about, um, and this is the 12th verse, but he says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. <clears throat> so with God, the way up is down. Talking about humility. But the responsibility is on who? Talked about it last week. It's us. We don't, we don't pray for God to humble us. He tells us to humble ourselves. I said it last week. I'm saying it again. I might preach it every week until <laughs> Jesus comes or he tells me his people get it. Why? Just to keep everybody beat down and humble? That's not humility. You know, you can be very confident and very humble. Moses wrote about himself that he was the meekest man in the world. <laughs> if it's true, it's not pride. <laughs> it's just a fact. Jesus could say any good thing about himself that he wants. You wouldn't say, well, that arrogant thing. And no, he's just stating the fact. <laughs> same with us we need to be humble but walking with the Lord will give you great confidence you see and there's a balance there I've seen preachers take it too far where they just come across so arrogant and brash you know and then others that just just too religious just Oh, Lord, you know. I, you know, I don't know if any of you ever been to those services that, that aren't even in English. It's like, what was the purpose of all that? I mean, I have been to some of that. Here's the key. Humility is not in the area of our emotions. We need to stop trying to feel more humble. Mm -hmm. This is a little tricky, but you need to think about it. Humility is a matter of our free will. And it's expressed in our actions. Yeah. Last night they talked about, uh, we had some representatives there state representatives and and uh one of them happened to be a doctor and he he came had his scrubs still on he was, came straight from the hospital and uh, but anyway he was talking about how they got this bill passed in and recently you probably know about it about the transgender thing but where they where they can uh, do these things to these children you know and uh, the state of Texas passed it, and it was a it was a huge fight. And he sat there and he he told me he said because these 
that the other side, the, the side that is for those things, <laughs> um, they're, he says, they don't go by facts. They don't go by truth. They don't go by anything. They go by their feelings, how it makes you feel, their emotions. He said, when they finally, that night, when it finally passed, after all the, because they've raised all kind of cane, you know, anything they can do to disrupt, lie, cheat. It's the same with the elections. Believe it or not, <laughs> there is one side that is totally corrupt and of the devil. Now, not everybody in it, some of them are just ignorant. And I mean, I don't mean they're stupid. I just mean they're ignorant of the truth, of the facts that they're deceived and they're being deceived. But he said when they walked, got out of there, they had to have, they, they, all, all those people laid down outside of the, the room where they were, were meeting and voting. And they all laid across the Capitol down, the, downstairs so they couldn't even get out. They tried to, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like, that's the kind of stuff they're dealing with. But it's not a matter of our emotions. It's, it's just a choice to be humble. And, and, you, and you'll see it in our actions. James 4, chapter 10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. You see, there's always a promise. So that's why, that's why we're talking about this. It's not to beat anyone down or to walk around with our, our heads down. I think that's locked. Uh, somebody must have pulled it shut. But. Praise the Lord. So it's not for that. Uh, you can crack that again if you... Well, that's all right. Praise God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, Jesus said. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's again from that parable of the wedding feast. But this is in Luke chapter 14, verse 11. So out of mouths of two or three witnesses, every, everything shall be established. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, it says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders... Well, that's gone out the wayside. <laughs> clothe yourselves, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. See, so there's, you know, every, every time you choose to, to stay humble and not get in the flesh and, and react to things. Just know that there's a reward coming for that. God loves to reward his children for good behavior. <laughs> and, you know, oh, that sounds like the law. No, it's just you learning to cooperate and stay in position to receive all the blessings that he has for you. Amen. Amen. There's a difference. One, one says that you, you're entitled to, you know, you've earned something from God. That's religion. 
The other says, no, I'm just cooperating. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not giving the devil any inroads into my life. I'm staying in line right with my father so that I can just keep receiving. My blessings go up. His, you know, my praise goes up. His blessings come down. Amen. Keep giving God the glory. He keeps pouring it on. It's just the way it is. Amen. This spiritual law, it applies to everyone and in every area of our lives, our marriages, our family, our work, our relationships. You can choose to live in opposition to this law. Many do, but breaking it, like I said, really only break you. <laughs> I see so many people and I know so many, I'm so close to so many people that I, I just... And I mean, I'm, not that I'm perfect in it either, but I just, I just see them failing miserably at this, this spiritual law every day of their lives. They're so easily offended, so easily offended. It's like, you know, if you, if you have... It's why, that's why the Bible says in Isaiah 26, 3, I'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because he trusts in me. If you keep your mind stayed on Jesus, taking your place on death row, <laughs> like you just left the event, you know, I just left Jesus being crucified for me. How are you going to get mad at somebody else? How would you ever have the audacity to be offended? And I mean, that's how, I mean, that's maybe oversimplifying, but it, I mean, if that, if we could just do that, start right there, just stay focused on Jesus, that he really did do this for me. You got to make it personal. Don't get trapped into following the wisdom of the world. That's a, that's a big trap. The problem with the world is that it will continue to move farther and farther from God. And I believe with all my heart that this third great awakening is really catching on. And so we're going to see wonderful things. God is not finished with this nation. And we're going to be right in the big middle of it. So good things coming. But I'm talking about in general. I'm talking about the world, and, and it's like, you know, you used to be able to, to watch some TV and stuff like that, and I mean, we're not, we're not ruling anything out. You can do anything you want. God's not going to stop loving you, but like Paul said, you, you do anything you want, but it doesn't mean it's good for you. So <laughs> you got to be careful what goes in these eye and ear gates, amen? <coughs> Excuse me. Hebrews 10.23, let us <coughs> hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, <coughs> for he is faithful that promised, pardon me, uh, so let us hold fast the profession of our faith, and it tells us, for he is faithful who promised, here confession or profession 
means to say the same as God says. So that's what we're supposed to do. Our words must have to agree, have to agree with the Word of God. So we need to practice that more, you know. When we speak, we need to be mindful of what we say. We need to think about it before we just say it, you know. You know, you want to, you know, they say until you're like four years old, you don't have an internal dialogue. You just, they just say whatever they, <laughs> whatever comes in their mind. That's why they ask you the same question 50 times in a minute and a half. It's like, <clears throat> but I know adults like that. It's like, do you have an internal dialogue? Do you literally say everything that pops into your head? You know, you can stop that. Especially if you have Jesus. You're supposed to stop that. <coughs> You're supposed to mature. <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> so, <coughs> if our words agree with God, the promises of God for every area of our lives, <coughs> be mindful of this. Well, most people just aren't in the Word. Period. I'll just tell you the truth. Most people do not read the Bible. They put their Bible study like way down on the list of things to do. Back burner that never gets lit. And they can say whatever they want. But I'm telling you, I know the truth. But I'm talking about the people that at least try. The people that, that read their Bibles to... that. They know Jesus, and they want to know Him better, and they're led to read their Bibles. Listen, many times, if you aren't careful, you can be in the Word, but you're not letting the Word get into you. And I don't want you wasting your time. Well, it's never really a waste of time, but <clears throat> this is a real thing. So if you meditate on that, God will give you revelation on that, because you can... You can just, you can read, you can make reading your Bible a religious thing. And, and, not, and it's, it doesn't penetrate anything, you know. Sometimes I'll read ten chapters or I'll read two or three books of the gospel in one day. You know, I don't really expect people to do that. Other times I'll, 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 get, I'll get on a two or three scriptures of a song or a proverb. And I'll be, and I'll just all day long. I'll meditate on that, and it'll have a, a profound effect on me, you know. And I'm just letting that get in, you know. And that's a word from God. It just come right off the paper. And uh, anyway, there's no right or wrong way, you know, to do it. But I'm just saying, the word of God. If you really want to know Jesus and the real Jesus, you need to study His life. <laughs> And then, you know, he, he walks it out in the Gospels and, and, then, and then in Acts we see what the church looks like and what it should look like and the power and victory they experienced and that should be happening in our midst. And it's, 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 you're going to see a lot more of it very soon. And, and then the rest of the epistles and everything, they tell us how to walk it out. And so it's very important that we are in the Word and that it's getting into us and becoming a part of us and changing 
us effortlessly from the inside out because it's all in seed form and it should be just, you know. I look at you all and I see you freezing and I'm sorry. But <laughs> I look at Sandy and Vanessa over here and I was just talking to Bobby. Uh, you know, remember Bobby Giblank? Gib <laughs> well, he's up in South Dakota now and I've, I've talked to him. I talk to him quite often, actually, but it's uh, negative 17 there now, you know, and they got snow up to here. But the wind chill is 48 Yeah, it feels like, yeah, you know how you read that, I, and, and, you, and sometimes you're like, whoa, that's, but yeah, up there, it's like, feels like negative 45, negative 48, and, uh, <laughs> and he wasn't complaining, and then here we are, and but really not, it's pretty mild <laughs> considering what's, What's going on around? I, I minister in, uh, to people all around the nation, and and uh, and I have friends in uh, parts of uh, other parts of the country up north, and it's very cold. You know, they just act like it's nothing unless it gets into the negatives. You know, <laughs> I'm like, well, it doesn't work that way down here. We're not used to it. <laughs> But I remember the hot summer. I haven't forgotten that hot summer we came out of, you know. And man, how miserable that was. You know, we could put more stuff on. <laughs> but man, the summer was so miserable that I'm, I'm not, I'm just trying not to complain. I just don't want to lose my little uh, Meyer lemon and my avocado tree that came, they died in the freeze last year, but they came back from the roots. And I just used the stick to brace them up, you know, of the old dead plant. And so now they're about this tall again. And I've got them covered up with those uh, blankets or whatever they call them, and we'll see. But uh, praise God, I'm praying over them, laying hands on them. <laughs> it's going to be all right. <coughs> uh, but we need, to, we need to make the Word of God, the promises of God, the provision of God, the identity it reveals about us or for us, of the Bible, real for us and in us, and, and let it become part of us. Amen? Amen? So we have a choice to live by faith or live by faith. And faith is not a good option. Just living by faith, just whatever will be, will be, you know? I hope so. I hear that so often. I hear that so often. And I'll be, I'll be sincere. I'm, gonna, I'm believing with you. I'm going to pray for you and agree with you. Well, I hope so. You know, it's like, you're not, we're not on the same page. We're not even talking about the same thing. You're talking about your hope. You hope that fate allows. <laughs> and I'm talking about calling on the promise and provision of God that's guaranteed if we'll unite our faith and, and send that faith out to, to retrieve the thing that we have prayed for and not rest and stop believing until it's done. And they look at you like, you're from outer space. <laughs> fate or faith, beggar or believer. You know what God's going to do for you in 2024? I ministered on this. 
he's going to do the same thing that he's been willing to do for those who believe in him for the previous 2,000 years. You want to know the truth? There it is. And really, that should be great news to those who decide to believe. But no matter what is happening in the world, this is true. You say, oh, well, right now it's just, you know, I get this on the phone every day. Oh, well, business is down and it's bad everywhere. And, and I'm like, man, it, look, God wants to fix this for you. And then you know what I get? The belief in faith. Well, I hope so. <laughs> That's not faith. That's not going to do anything for your benefit. He's, he, no matter what's happening in the world, the same thing that Jesus provided through the atonement on the cross of Calvary, all the grace of God that has been credited to your account is still on account. No matter how much you've withdrawn, it's never deducted anything. It's still full. <laughs> God ha has opened the storehouse of all grace Amen. for you now if you'll choose to receive it. That's this year and every year. But that's today. This is the day the Lord has made. Praise God. That's this year. No matter what you're going through, there is grace for that. If you need forgiveness, his mercy has covered that by grace. If you need to forgive someone and it seems impossible, trust me, I understand. There is an anointing of grace to set you free from that bitterness. Let it go. This year, healing. Everywhere you hurt, freedom, peace, love, joy, abundance, vision, restoration, multiplication, blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Just think, what is your greatest need? Send your faith out to get it. This is the day of your salvation. We are in it. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. Romans 5.17 says, you are equipped to reign in life and be light in the darkness. You choose what kind of year, what kind of life you want to have. God is always wanting and always has good for you. Take it. Take it by faith. Learn to cooperate with all of the spiritual laws that he has in place for your benefit. Matthew 12, 35 says, the good man brings forth good. So do it. Speak it. Expect good from God. Expect to hear him clearly. Expect to hear him clearly. Be obedient to his word and expect to receive. Pray like never before. Pray like never before. Pray for your church. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your family. Pray for your financial needs. Pray for your body. 
Pray for everybody and everything you can think of and that the Lord puts on your heart. Pray for each other and expect to see that answered prayer. James 5.13 says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Or her. Pray. That's the most powerful gift God has given the believer is prayer. The prayer of faith expects to hear from God. Otherwise, it's not faith. You didn't pray in faith. If you're not expecting to hear from God, then you're not praying in faith or you just don't know what's, what you're entitled to by, through the word because of what Jesus has accomplished on your behalf. You say, oh, well, I, 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 can't, I can't presume to know what God will do. Um, well, you better. You better. Your life may depend on it. You better have expectancy. When you're walking in accordance with his instructions, because he's faithful to perform his word. And only you can prevent it from working, to be honest with you, if you don't believe or if you stop believing. I honestly believe that, I was talking about this with somebody again last night, that, that people try faith. Most Christians at some point will try faith. And we make jokes about the microwave mentality of our nation, you know. And if it's, you haven't seen a manifestation to an answered prayer by the time you get up from praying, then you've got to go take care of it yourself. Well, God didn't do it, you know. <laughs> but no, you've got to wait. Sometimes people waited years and years and years. But when they, the, the, the longer they stood in faith, look at Abraham, look at David. I mean, from the time Samuel came and anointed him in his house and, and all his jealous brothers and dad that didn't even want him to be king, from the time he actually took over as king, it was years, and he had to fight for his life and run. I mean, there is sometimes time. There's seed, time, and harvest. But there is a harvest for believers. And it seems like the greater reward for those who have to wait and, and still stand in faith waiting. I believe there's going to be a huge reward for this church, Grace and Truth Church, because we have been faithful and we have stood waiting, but in faith and still in thanksgiving for whatever God has given us. But bigger things and better things are coming. Because God wants the, the ministry. He loves people. Amen. It's not because he owes us anything, but it's because he, he wants to use those who are faithful and those who, who can't be uh, deterred. You know what I'm saying? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, no, it said 5.7. I love 5.17 as well. But 5.7 says, we are called to walk by faith and not by sight. Doesn't it? Yeah. Well, 1 John 5, 14 and 15, and listen to this. And this is the confidence. You can have confidence. God wants you to have confidence. 
I've been preaching on humility. There's a difference. There's a difference. You can be humble, the most humble, the meekest person in the world, and have total confidence in God. Now, this is the confidence that we have toward Him that if we ask anything, listen, if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. You say, well, I just, that's the problem. I don't know His will. Yes, you do. It's right here. He hears us. And if we know He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. So then why aren't we seeing it? Because we don't stand in faith. When you've done all you can do to stand, stand. Continue standing strong in faith, waiting, believing. My, my manifestation of my prayer is coming. God heard me, and I know it, and I trust Him. If you die trusting God, what kind of penalty do you think you're going to get in heaven? Or are you going to say, or is he going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. But I'm telling you this, you're not going to die waiting. It's going to manifest. And the sooner you decide to say, listen, when I pray, I'm not just going to pray willy-nilly anymore. I'm going to think about my prayer. I might think half a day on a prayer. And then I'm not going to be like the heathens who just and the religious folks who just pile up a bunch of empty words and try to sound really cool and impress God with their prayer, it might just be a few words. But I'm going to think about it. I'm going to make sure I know what to pray. And then I'm going to pray. And when I send it out, and then I say, in Jesus' name, and I say, amen, it's locked. It's a lock. It's a done deal. It's a done deal, and I'm going to not let that faith rest until it comes back with that answered prayer. The sooner you decide to make up your mind to be that person, be that believer, God is going to be impressed for starters. He loves that. And you are going to open up things that you didn't realize were available to you. The windows and doors of opportunity and and just God having you in the right place at the right time to receive his blessings and to do his will and to be a kingdom builder. Those things will just begin to take place for you. You just have to decide that, hey, I'm, I'm special. And then, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be humble. So, oh, let me just knock myself down and crawl around on the floor. No, you're misunderstanding humility. You're awesome in God's sight and powerful and you have, you are an ambassador. I mean, we don't just send people, well, we shouldn't just send ambassadors to other nations to be representatives of this one that we aren't uh, very uh, impressed with ourselves. They should be our best. They should be a representation of what this country is all about. You see what I'm saying? The same with God. He, he chose you before the beginning of time to be his ambassador here to light into a dark world. 
to be his representatives. And he's given you all the provision that you need. But you need to use it. You need to use it. And you say, well, if he would just have Amazon drop it off at my door, I would. Well, there are spiritual laws that you have to learn to cooperate with. Humility is key. And then operate in faith. Those two simple things. Learn to walk in the balance of grace and faith. And stay humble. And you'll watch and see what God has for you. God loves you, folks. So just believe it and get on with it already. Amen? Amen. Somebody give him praise. praise Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for everything that you have done, everything that you continue to do. We thank you that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We thank you that you are with us. You will never leave us or forsake us. We thank you that you have provided for everything that we need for this life and godliness, and you have already granted those things to us. It is a done deal. Help us to learn to walk in obedience to your word so that we align ourselves, staying humble, walking in faith, and an attitude of expectancy of good from you, and to hear you when we pray and to have our prayers answered. Thank you, Lord, for just blessing us with this change in our attitudes and to know that we are loved by you and there is nothing good that you will withhold from those of us who love you and are called according to your purpose. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Glory to God.